there are two important yesedis which I'd like to touch upon. And I guess Dr. Mandel just introduced a time, it's a time for introspection, time to discuss uh, Gullah's conditions, how we can change those conditions, and bring a Gula. And there are two themes, one which actually begins with Hanukkah, which we'll start with, that really is, I think, a, uh, a crucial look at uh, Jewish history in terms of what happened before the Chorban, between Chorban, Rishon, Chorban, Shani, and what's still going on today. And let me begin with some, I think, very obvious questions. And as I said, we'll begin with Hanukkah, which just left us. We um, are celebrating for eight days. Tremendous nisim and flaws and victory of the Chashmanayim. Able to, over time, get rid of the uh, Greeks. Establish a malucha. Shiloh was that part official or not. The Ram holds that was an Indian. The Ramban says that was an Avera. But no doubt, Chazal tell us they saved Klai Yisrael. The Pella is that if you look at the actual history of Hanukkah, besides the fact that when they were covered as a yantif, they had hardly control of even 10% of Eretz Yisrael. And Chazal still understood they should be covered as a yantif because of the nice nigla of the nair. They saw this approval from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the fact that the war took many, many years cost many lives of the B'nai Chashmanan themselves. And the fact that Chazal, by being covered as a yontif, were declaring a victory. And if you think for a moment, the tragedy, the end of the Beis Chashmanan, is that, number one, physically they were all wiped out. And in a Ruchni's dick away, the very battle was fought to get rid of assimilation, to stop the Mizyavnim, to bring back Klai Yisrael, and the later kings of Beis Chashmanaim, and then those who stood after Beis Chashmanaim, wiped them out, the Avadim that took over, Hordis, and the rest of them, were actually Mizyavnim, Sadukim, it doesn't make a difference what you call them. Aladavrahu, the Chashmanaim themselves, fought the entire Muhammad for this. And yet it seems that at the end of the decade or two or three, it was all gone. Yet Chazawar Kaveh Ziyantif, and that teaches us something. What is the lesson here? So the aside, which I will introduce now for the lessons we're supposed to be bringing with us from Hanukkah to now Asar Bateves and the trials and tribulations of the siege and the ultimate Khurban is that what looks like a victory to us is not always a victory. What looks like a failure is not necessarily a failure either. And you need a Navi, you need Chazal to be able to look through their prism of Das Terra to be able to figure out what indeed was accomplished. 
the Chashmanayim came at a time where the persecution was such that they were afraid had Klai Yisrael been left to its own devices, there'd be nothing left. Every year, the amount of Shlemim, Tzadikim, were shrinking. The pressure was great. The Gzairas were that anybody keeping mitzvahs would be killed. And Chashmanam realized that if they don't get up and do something now, despite the odds, despite the Rabbiyad Miatim, that was the result, but it didn't look like that at the time. They're asking for an ace. They realized that ours in life is to do their shtadlus, and HaKadosh Baruch will decide what he wants to decide. But we have to have a core of people standing in Klai Yisrael, keeping mitzvahs and mimes and nefesh. Despite the fact that their own family went off, despite the fact that the family destroyed, despite the fact that it looks like everything they did was undone, Lamaisa, we're here because the Chashmanayim got up and with Mesiris Nefesh did something about it to get that generation over the hump, so to speak, to be able to pass it on to the next door. The halacha, which is uh, one of the most incredible halachas in all of Hukas Hanukkah, Kafsei and Zakakla, the whole mitzvah of the halacha is to have light. If it goes out, why indeed is it Kafsei and Zakakla? So, so do it again. We don't fall too for it going out, so, so do it again. The answer is that Chazal are telling you Kafsei and Zakakla is the Yisait of Hanukkah. So we're asking you to do and once you've done, the rest is up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Throughout history, just to bring a few examples, where it looks like Tzadikim Gemurim Gedeli Adar worked Maisa Nefesh for years and years and years, and it looks like at the end, it's being undone. Eliyahu Anavi, who had an incredibly long tenure as the Gadol Anavi Adar, Shaila, who he was, if he was Pinchas, a very long time, if not, still very long. And we all know, he finally tried one more time at the showdown in High Carmel. He challenged the Nevi'ah Baal. Fire came down in the Shemayim, and Nigla, and the good news is, on the spot, everybody said, Hashem Elohim, Hashem Elohim. Problem is, the next day, Izevel tells that if you're not out of town by tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. And he understood it wasn't an idle threat. He wasn't afraid of her per se, but he understood the mood of the people had already swung in her direction. And everything he did the day before was gone. L'chayr. Shem sends him to Arsinai. There's a dialogue of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Eliyahu Anavi. And Eliyahu Anavi says, after being asked by Kosh Baruch, what are you doing here? He said, I'm here. The Klai Yisrael chasing me out and they're made for the bris and they're doing Avodah Zarah. And he was, he was right on every count. He's 100% right. And Kosh Baruch, who at that point wanted Eliyahu to consider going back into the fray. And he asked him again and he said, they're made for the bris and of the Avodah Zarah. After that conversation, Eliyahu was told to go appoint Elisha Novi to lead the generation, the next generation, also had a very long tenure. And he was given the mandate to give more nisim and more neflos and more hatava. Perhaps the carrot instead of the stick would do it. 
And Elisha, if you fast forward at the end of his life, as he's dying, the Melech comes in, and the Melech, who's a Chatzay Maimon, Chatzay Maimon, that he's crying that the Navi's leaving, but when the Melech challenges him, do you want to do something? I'll give you a simon. And he didn't follow through with it. Take some arrows, he took him, he knocked him on the floor a few times, but he didn't, he didn't follow through. Which showed he wasn't yet really ready to listen. And Elisha, these are his dying moments, got very angry, righteous anger, and said, you could have destroyed Aram. Now you hit it three times, you win three battles, and that's it. Isn't it sad and ironic? It looks like Elisha, at the end of his long tenure as the Gadol Adar and the Navi Adar, also as his Rebbe, leaves. Seems the job is not done. To say Eliyahu Navi, Elisha Navi, didn't accomplish. What did they accomplish? Answer is, whoever was willing to listen... There's always the few who's ever willing to hold the impression they have that they have to make a change will do it. And if you get those members of the Dara over the hump, that's all you need to do. Another example from Navi, less familiar to people, but even more dramatic in a way, Yayad Al-Kayin rescues the last infant of Malchus Beis David as Asalia is destroying everything, murdering the whole Machas based David. So Rebison snatches him up, him up, hides him in the Kadesh Kadashim, right above the Kadesh Kadashim. And when he's seven years old, he brings him out to show there's a living member of Machas based David and then attempts a uh, rebellion which succeeds, was very dangerous. Gets rid of Asalia, puts him on the throne. And uh, seems to have saved Klai Yisrael. The only problem is, Yehoyada, advanced in age, worked with the king to fix up the base of Mikdash that Asaliyah almost destroyed, and to get rid of the Avodah and to put Klai Yisrael together. And the Pesach says, V'yizken Yehoyada v'yizpayama v'yamaz ben meyash leishem shana ma'yiseh. Success story, 130 years old, accomplished incredible amount for Klai Yisrael, saved Malchus Beis David, saved the base of Mikdash, caused Klai Yisrael to do tshuva. They buried him in Ir David with the Malachim, the only civilian to be buried with the kings. Then the people who were out of power, who wanted power, started complimenting the king. You're a god. You lived right near the Kaddish Gadashim, and the king can't even go in for a few minutes without being nervous. You must be a god, and you say it enough times, and they convinced him. He started going off, and continued, brought our back to the land. Zechariah ben Yoyada, the famous Zechariah, was the son of this Yoyada Kayin, who had saved this king's life in Ruchnius and in Gashmias. Zechariah spoke up, and he had him murdered in the base of Mikdash. That blood was still bubbling when the Horpin came. How Yoyosh, this young king, could do this, turn his back on his uncle, his rebbe, his savior, not for now. It has something to do with the fact that he felt too much Akaras and either you have to start registering Akaras or just deny it and turn your back. And again, Yoyada's not alive. It looks like his entire 130 years, everything's undone. The answer is the same. 
we often look at the decisions we make and people we try to be mashpi on, family members and friends. We try and we try, and it doesn't look like it worked. It's not our business. It's not necessarily our problem. And whatever small hushball we made, could be on 1, 10, 50, 100, 1,000 people, it didn't fix up Klai Yisrael to our mind. It doesn't make a difference. It's going to get Klai Yisrael to the next door where it needs to be. Rabbi Yankiv says this in a much larger way, a fascinating chiddush, a sefer on Chumash. He says the entire tkufa of Bayashani was really just uh, what I call a booster shot. They came out of Gullus after Bayashani after 70 years because staying there was too dangerous and they needed to come back to Yisrael, further develop and record Teresh Peh. And they needed that to be able to, after another 400 years, leave and face Gullus for 2,000 years. And they needed the help. They knew it wasn't the Gula Shlema when they built it, which is fascinating. He has Rayas, Yeshayo, was Gainas the Aaron. He'll say it was Gainas, they didn't know where it was. Said, they knew where it was. It's a fair mission. It was a kind once he saw a tile out of place, and he was about to look, and then he died. They knew that was the stairwell leading down to where the Aaron was hidden, and Badafka didn't get it. Because they knew this is just a bridge to get Klayasol to the next step, to give them the Kalim to be able to survive an even longer Gullus. And he says, interestingly enough, that's why they never appointed a king. Do you ever wonder? They came back with Ezra. One of the three days in Teves that we're having the Tainus for is the uh, Petira of Ezra. Gamar Sahedrin says Ezra was so great, had the terror not been given to Moshe Rabbeinu, it would have been given to Ezra. No. So why didn't, why didn't they appoint a king? You say, well, he was a Kayan. He couldn't be from Malchus. Based David, obviously, so let him appoint another king. They never tried. Even the Malachim that came from the Hashmanam, when they took it, the Ramban says that was an Avera. So why didn't they appoint a king? Rabbi Yankiv says, because they knew that they weren't here to stay, and if you appoint a king, you can fool yourself and delude yourself into thinking you're there. And they knew it was just a bridge to be able to survive the Gullus. Interesting in the Igeris Arambam. I'll read a free English translation, but it, it's, it's a very sobering letter on the one hand and inspiring on the other hand. We always think, you know, the Rambam, the Islam law, that had at least uh, 200,000 people sitting and learning. And the Rambam was uh, writing chuvas and disseminating the Yad Chazaka. The Rambam wrote this letter toward the end of his life, and he wrote it to the Chachmei Lunil. He had a correspondence with these Rishayim, lived in France. I now have to tell you the truth, members of the Kehillah of Lunil and the neighboring towns. The Rambam writes to them, stand alone in raising the banner of Moshe. Study of Torah in our community has ceased. The Rambam was in Egypt. Most of the bigger congregations are dead to spiritual aims. And mind you, the, the Rambam fought the Karam in his time and, and won and brought many people back. Lamaisa, he said, without the focus of Torah and giving over that Messiah perfectly, there's going to be nothing left. The remaining communities are facing the end in the whole of Palestine. There are three or four places only, and even those are weak. In the whole of Syria, none but a few in Aleppo occupy, occupy themselves with Torah. Next line is a chiddush to me in the Babylonian diaspora. Above all, for a thousand years, was a seat of uh, learning. There are only two or three groups 
in Yemen, the rest of Arabia, they know little of the Talmud. Therefore, it remains for you alone to be the strong support of our religion. Be firm and courageous for the sake of our people and for our Kosh Baruch Hu. Make up your minds to remain brave men. Everything depends on you. Now, there were other balitesis, there were others, but there were pockets. Don't depend on me. I'm old and I'm weak. So Rambam almost sounds very pessimistic. So Rambam didn't think that Klai Yisrael would survive. Of course he knew Klai Yisrael would survive. But he also knew that as history goes, there are times when it's hanging by a thread, as it was in the time of Yehoyada when he saved the last king. When he saved the Besamitish and the Avedah. And we've had many such times, unfortunately. And the Rambam is simply telling them, understand what you have and understand that if you don't transmit this perfectly, you and the other Bali Tays and a few pockets over here and over there, we're not going to make it. But if you do, don't worry about the fact that there aren't millions of people learning it. The good news is that uh, we're privileged here in America and anywhere else uh, we didn't are free, which is most of the world today, Baruch Hashem. We're privileged to see an unbelievable resurgence, the likes of which, I'm not discussing levels of Yerushalayim and Madregas, perhaps our great-great-grandparents, closer to our Sinai for sure, Mesiris Nefesh, which we don't have, and Baruch Hashem, for us, we don't need at the moment. We don't mean Mesiris Nefesh for day-to-day survival. Because Baruch Hu gave us bracha, parnasa, freedom, to be able to expand these numbers because, truthfully, before the war, the Chafetz Chaim used to talk like this, Chufas HaRamam, that there are very few left, and those who have it are mandated to continue. To say, no, so we have it easy. What do we have to do? The answer is, uh, as we all know, unfortunately, 80% of Klai Yisrael is not yet from. There are people who want to know the MS. There are people who are from, who need chizik. And there are many, many, when you hear this from Rabbanim, the Rabbanim are juggling hundreds of cases at one time. And perhaps for Psakalacha, they have to do that. For the trench warfare of the individual chizik that every year needs, that depends on everybody here and everybody listening. And people sometimes, Anivus um, is a wonderful midah, but when you say, Mani, Miani, I can't be Mechazic people, talk about Kirov Kraven, add Kirov Kraven, but even Kirov Kraven, the people next door, the people in Meshbacha, the cousins, the Kremes Baalim, the Tamidim, the, those you're giving a Chabura to, could be three of them, they need help. And everybody needs help, and everybody needs Chizik. It could be a Chavar and Shul, it could be your son's Rebbe. I'll get back to that in a moment. And everybody's waiting for somebody else to do it, often because I'm not a Rav, I'm not a Rosh Hashiva, and I'm not a Chazik, my son's Rebbe, he's a Rebbe, I'm, I'm just a parent. And everybody's waiting for somebody else to do it. A lot of chesed going on, and people are trying. But people look at the Nachshon Ben Minadov as the Chad Beder, the God Ladar, and it's not for me. If you have an opportunity and you live at a time like this, it shouldn't be said as a kitrick, it should be said to wake us up to the opportunity 
Uh, if you're familiar with the Lesogian Tainus, they talk about why Tubav. Here we're in Asar Beteves. I like to talk about Tubav. That's after Tishabav. And there was a time they made Shiduchim. And the mom wants to know why is it a day miyuchid for Shiduchim? And one of the answers given is that Oshea ben, ben Ola, who was a king, <laughs> was not that good, but he wasn't that bad. And of the kings, the Asasashvatim, he's the first one, first and last, to open up the highway from the north coming to Yushalayim. Until then, Yorob Menavod had stationed guards, and you couldn't go if you wanted to. They were under orders to arrest you. That's how bad it was. He said, you know, it's not right. People want to go. They want to be able to regal. Haven't been a long, long time. He took away the guards. They made an announcement. Whoever wants to go can go. And the Yushalmi says that it's very unusual. Right after that, the Pasuk says that Melech Asher came and exiled most of them. He finally made an announcement they can go, and that's when they go into Gullus. So Yushami says there were two problems. One is that once he said they can go, there was a kitrig on Kalei Yisrael then, why aren't they seizing the opportunity? And he was also finished off because he started a mitzvah and instead of saying, you can go, he should have said, by royal order, everybody must go and I'm coming along. So the fact that they had the opportunity and they didn't use it was a bigger issue. It's never been easier which is why we have a bigger achrayas. There are many situations, brings to mind why I mentioned uh, the Kli Kedush Nid Chizik also. There's a person involved in Kli Kedush, the yeshiva system who came over to me recently and um, mentioned to me a common problem that he was having, and that is that uh, doesn't make a large salary, and he, Baruch Hashem is a large family, he's making a chasana, and he needs to raise some funds. Do you have any ideas? I spoke about it for a few minutes. Uh, I think the uh, second part, financially, I probably couldn't help him as much as the part two of the conversation, which I hope is a little bit of a chizik. But he started asking me, what do I feel? As somebody who looks at the community and involved in the chinuch of the yeshivas, He discussed this with his wife, and uh, he said he doesn't know what it's going to be. He has a number of chasnas uh, to make, and uh, the bills are overwhelming. What's going to be? You don't have to be in chinuch for this. You can just have a middle income and have this issue. But the reason why the conversation was important, and he was honest with his feelings, he says, you know, I made a decision to go into chinuch the struggle I have day to day is how to pay my bills. And then the second struggle is how not to let thoughts come into my mind that maybe I should let somebody else work for Clay's role and do something else. Now, it's a very loaded subject. Not everybody's supposed to be a chinuch. Not everybody's supposed to be working. Not everybody's supposed to be playing. You've got to figure out... Uh, where you're supposed to be in life. And there's no easy answer, and it needs a lot of adrocha. But one of the more difficult challenges in life, uh, this particular story of the Rebbe, and we ended up having a longer conversation, and he's um, phenomenal at what he does, and uh, I think the least I could do is to make sure that he stays doing it for the sake of Klai Yisrael. With whatever small financial help, 
or more importantly in this particular conversation, the chizik of why you're doing this, the reminder of what you're accomplishing. Because the same thing with Elio Anavi, Elio Anavi, Elisha, the Chashmanaim, can, you can look back and wonder, like, what am I accomplishing? What am I doing? And this isn't limited to being in Kli Kaddish. Any Nisayan a person has, the Yitzhahara's only weapon after you pass the Nisayan is to keep on nagging for the next year, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, probably the rest of your life, that the reason you're having difficulty is because you had that Mesiris Nefesh. How do I know this? I'll give you a few examples. And this is so important because everybody has this. Everybody. What the Nisayan is. It could be for one person, his decision to give to Klai Yisrael his, his life in Kli Kedish. For another person, he's uh, giving his life for Klai Yisrael and he's doing it in his spare time after work. Everybody, any from person who's being Mesa Nefesh has this and often there are challenges and you're giving things up. You have to be giving things up. It wouldn't be Mesiris Nefesh. And the Sahara, when he loses that battle, Baruch Hashem, with many people, does lose that battle, he will never give up. It'll come back and he'll keep on pounding away till you have charata. So he'll take away what you did and you'll have charata and you'll become chasashal and bitter. How do you avoid that? So the first thing to do is to look at Tanakh. Elio Anavi wasn't bitter. He had, that day was very rough and he was doing it for like some cheaters, hundreds of years. He has a right to retire. There's no criticism of Chazal. Hashem said, okay, can't do it anymore. So that's it. So I'll take you up to Shemayim. And he wasn't punished. He became a Malach. And then Elisha did it for half a century plus. And then the day he died, he was frustrated. Frustration comes with the human condition. The difference between Elio Anavi and Elisha is they were frustrated, but they weren't angry and they didn't get depressed and they understood that they tried their best and they're going to get schayar and Akash Baruch is running the world. Our job is to try to internalize that message. A few examples from Tanakh, which uh, should hit very close to home because it's all the precious of Sefer Barishas, basically. Let me focus on some of the recent ones. Yaakov Avinu, the Ishemes, spent his whole life teaching Emes Yaakov. His mother calls him in and says, you better hurry up. Uh, your father's about to give the brachas to your brother and I uh, want you to dress up and disguise yourself and go in. Yaakov was beyond horrified. This went against his grain, and he said, practically, it's probably not going to work. How good can a custom with hairy arms? I don't even know. I still don't understand the push-up shot. How do you get away with that? Unless, Hashem Yatsadav, obviously, which it was. And he says, if, if my father finds out he's going to curse me, and Rifki Meda said, don't worry about it. He was very worried. Rightfully so. No, his mother is an avia. He understood that um, she must have had information he didn't have, and she did. She heard from Shane Baver there's going to be a rivalry, and, and uh, this is the way it's going to pan out. She never told that Navu at Yitzhakavino. That's why Yitzhakavino didn't know. Lamaisa, the Nitziv says, and I think this is the Pashib shot. I know there are other Mahalchan. The Nitziv says, of course, Yitzhakavino knew that Esav wasn't this. Such a firm guy, calm, cool, and collected. He was wild. He needed to be tamed, and he needed to be brought in, and he wanted for his son to bring him in. So he said, I'll make you a sachas and Esau will do what he's good at. He'll be a man of the world, and I'll, I'll give him all the brachas of Gashmias. The whole bracha here was all Gashmias. The Ruchniistic bracha was later. Originally intended for only Yaakov Inu. That was never a Havamina. 
And I'll give Esav the Gashmias, he'll share, I'll give him five trillion dollars, he'll share whatever Yaakov Inu needs, he'll share with him, and um, they'll both get harmed. What can be a better plan? See, here we have Yitzhak Inu knows half the truth, and he has a great plan, and Yaakov Inu probably figured out that plan, and his mother's telling him he can't even give him one penny, he's not going to share a thing, don't want to take it all, got to steal the whole thing. So you can imagine how unsure Yaakov Inu was about this plan. And he did it anyway because his mother convinced him this is what's in Hashem. So we'd like to believe the most difficult Nisayin in Yaakov Inu's life to date. We'd like to believe that after he went in, he got the brachas and right away the brachas started showering down in Hashemayim and he lived happily ever after. Of course, if you read Chumash, just a cursory reading, You'll understand this is exactly where Yaakovina's problems began. And he had one incredible sorrow, Leilenu, after another, only because he stole the brocha. Because after that, Esav wanted to kill him, and he had to run, and then he ran to Lavan, he had more sorrow to Lavan, and then he switched, and then he worked, and he wasted, well, I can't say wasted, but spent a couple of decades of his life, and then he comes back, and Esav's coming to kill him again, and then he finally gets back, and everything is so, looks so off kilter, it really wasn't. Gets back and then Dina's attacked and Yasef is stolen. It just doesn't, doesn't stop. To the extent the Yakavinu was so battle war, when he meets Pyro, Pyro asked him, from a first say, what made him answer that whole answer, which he was, on his Madriga, criticized for? Why was he complaining? The answer is, why did Pyro ask how old he was? When you go see a king, the first question isn't usually, as a matter of fact, it's not even on the list. It's, sir, how old are you? Can you imagine walking to the White House? <laughs> walking, sir, how old are you? I go, oh, what an insulting question. Why, why would he ask such a question? It's irrelevant. The answer is, he looked like he was like 900 years old. Because that's how rough it had been. And then Yaakov, you know, the answer, no, I'm not really that old. It's, just, it's been very rough. And on his madrega, it sounded maybe like complaining, so he lost some years of his life. But for Yaakov, you know, the Ishmaimin, to say that, it had to have been very rough. You can be sure the biggest Nisayan, all the ordeals put together, was not to have charata for stealing the brachas. This is a very important Nisayan. It was a big Nisayan to deal with Esau and deal with Lavan and deal with the children and the Mechira. But everything started when he stole the brachas. So the Yitzhahar wanted to convince him, didn't succeed, Baruch Hashem. That no, it's all because you listened to your mother and your father was right. Why'd you get involved? Your father had passed his one thing, your mother passed another thing. Why'd you get involved in this? And you were mice and efforts to go against your grain and steal the brachas, and because of that, you're on the run ever since. Can you imagine how the mind's going to play on you? Yeah, next time, don't be so firm. Many, many years of tsaris. There are many examples of this. Rus, Rus had absolutely no chiv whatsoever to be Megayer. Nami told her, you've been a wonderful daughter-in-law and you get a lot of schar and Hashem should give you your and both of you go home and keep the Zion mitzvahs and everything will be fine. Absolutely no chiv whatsoever. She was Meister Nefesh. And again, we'd like to, if we were writing our own script, to live happily ever after. She goes there to Israel. She walks in, everybody's so impressed. She became a Gieris. And they all start throwing money at her and Shaduchim is Gavaldik. The problem is, you read Megillah's rules, that's not exactly what happened. They came barefoot, they had nothing to eat, she had to go 
like a pauper stand behind all the other beggars in a field. And um, that's the way it looked like it was going to stay. Now, what's the Eitzahara doing at this time? I guarantee you, every hour on the hour, a little voice, Rus, you think you're so from, you think you're here, Zephyrus. This wasn't worth it, and uh, who asked you? Who asked you to do this? So, of course, Rus is 100% right, and the Yetzirah is 100% wrong, but the Yetzirah has a lot of experience in sounding good. I can't tell you how many times I've discussed with many people the opening discussion I just said with this particular Rebbe. He wasn't thinking of leaving, but he just, he needed the chizik, he said. I, I, I think sometimes, you know, could I have made more money and made it a little easier being an accountant? I said, if you want to be an accountant, it's a nice Jewish pun also. If you stay honest, Shailiz, you probably made the decision in consultation with your Abayim what you should be doing with yourself. And if that decision was right then, and you have to focus on what you're accomplishing, not the Tsaris. I've had many conversations with people in the workforce who gave up deals, positions, upward mobility within corporations because of their ethics and because of their firmkite. And I will tell you that the discussions I've had with them after the Nisayan, sometimes years later, is more of a struggle than their original decision. <clears throat> the original decision, they asked the Shaila, I told them what I told them, and they, uh, it's a godless, they bit the bullet, and they did it. And then the Yitzhara has them regretting it for the rest of their life. So the Nisayan doesn't end. The key of the Yisayan of the Chashmanayim, and Eliyahu Anavi, and Yehoyada, and Elisha, and everything that's going to happen, the classic example by Chorban Bayashani, Rabbi Yechamid Zakai, wasn't sure I'd get myself. Tenli Yavna Machachamel. So one month on the Gemara says it was a mistake. Mamisha mistake, and just the Le Malacham Biyad Hashem, and um, Hashem wanted the Chorban. So when he was asked, What do you want? I'll give you three wishes. Wish number one would be spare you, Shalim. He didn't say that. He said, Tenli Yavna Machachamel. So one month on says he was wrong, but. Um, that was Bashert. And the following Das Terror is following Das Terror because Hashem will make that Das Terror whatever Hashem wants it to be. The other Mandama says, no, he was right because Yushalayim was an empty shell and Tainli Yushalayim is not going to do anything because no one's doing Shufa. So Tainli Avnu Chachameh is better because then we'll develop Terish and we'll pass on the Messiah and we'll survive. A very unpopular decision, as you can imagine. And we'd like to think that after he made the decision, that's it, never went back. It's very healthy not to go back. Rabbi Yechamid Zakai was the undisputed Gadol Adar and had the ability to hold off thoughts from his mind. But he wasn't a Balgaiva, so he probably, some say the Pshat is when the, when the, come on, when the Tamitim came in, he was crying. They said, why are you crying? He said, I don't know if I'm going to Ge- Gehenna or Gan Eden. Why would uh, all do Anivus? If Rabbi Yechamid Zakai is not sure whether he's even, even getting into Gan Eden, we have uh, a lot to worry about. So someone attached that um, he was thinking about the most famous, momentous decision he ever made in his life. He gave up Yushalayim and took out Yavna. And he said, if I was wrong on that, uh, I'm nervous. Good news is he had nothing to be nervous about. He was right on the issue. And even if he was wrong, Lamaisa, he tried his best. But even Rabbi Yechel Medzakai, even Elio, even Alicia, 
Yetzirah is always trying to show that you didn't accomplish, you're not accomplishing, just give up. <coughs> and the Gedalim saw through it, and Elio Anavi, even though he was relieved of his duties, but uh, apparently not criticized because, as I mentioned, he's Elio Anavi, but there he is, he still, still comes around quite often, Baruch Hashem. For us little people, the design is designed for us, and we're able to conquer it, but we have to understand it's not just passing the moment of the decision. It's dealing with what the Sahara tries to convince you of afterwards. They say that uh, Yasef had 12 years to think about his one second of decision with Aisha's Patifera to do the Avera or not. He made the right decision. It was uh, very painful. And he ran out. That wasn't the end of the Nisayan. Perhaps the beginning of the Nisayan was when he sat in jail for 12 years to think. Perhaps you can debate the issue. Halachically, remember, one sheet in Rashi holds that was a half a minute he came to give in. How can he come to give in? The shift they cut. The answer is, if you want some background just in the Yerushalmi, uh, how does a, a guy to get a divorce? So there's no get. So one sheet in the Yerushalmi holds they can never get a divorce. There's some religions that pass like that. Lachumra, we don't pass like that. The Ramam holds the Kula. That either he or she walks out. No. So Eshes Patifera is telling Yasef uh, she wants out, and that's it. She's going with him. Technically, maybe you can argue. Wonder she's not an Eshes Ish. And there's no Xeris Nashkaz, won't walk through the whole suit against the hedger. But if Yasef had a Lumdis and he was a big London, uh, perhaps there's going to be Makel, which is why there was a half minute and why his father's picture had to appear. So, no, that makes an Isayan one million times as difficult. So, if it was a Tzad to be Makel, he ended up in jail, almost got killed, ended up in jail for 12 years. What we would say, the best years of his life, 18 to 30. They were the best years of his life, but they ended up becoming years of growth where he spent thinking, working on his bitachon, working on his amuna, and telling the Yitzhahara that you want to convince me that that one moment of frumkite landed me in the slammer for 12 years, and there was room to make all based on these furrows. I don't regret it. It was the right decision, and I would do it again. That's a 12-year Nisayan, not a 10-second Nisayan. The ability to look beyond our Dalat Amis and to do things for Klai Yisrael, even though it's not always the most comfortable thing for us to do. The very, very famous Gemara and Saita, Memam and Aleph, Rabbi Abba was a Rosh Hashiva from the Gedele Adar, and he had a Matorgaman. Every Rosh Hashiva had a Matorgaman, they didn't have microphones. And they weren't streaming live. So usually they were getting on in years, so they whispered to the Matorgama and the Torgama, and they got somebody who had to know how to learn quick enough that he can get it right in his head, and then he would bellow it out to the island, and that's how they heard Shir. So the Matorgama is a great man, but he's not, he's not Rabbi Abel. So Gemara tells Amaisa that once the Rebetzin of Rabbi Abel, Rebetzin Abel, 
bumped into the wife of the Matorgaman. And uh, apparently she had some issues. And uh, she told Rebetzin Abo, so I just want you to know, just for the record, that my husband really knows how to learn better than your husband does. And he really shouldn't be his metorgamon, it should be the other way around. But I'll cover it, I'll make him feel bad. So every guy goes into shear and he bends down, he listens, and then uh, he says it out. But uh, really it should be, uh, should be the opposite. So the Rebbitson was very upset to hear this, uh, this piece of news. And uh, she goes home and she said, this is what uh, your metorgamon's uh, wife is saying. So, how do you handle something like this? It happens in various forms. It's Lashon Hara, it's Vachilis, there's all sorts of things that are potential for a huge machlekes. So you could say, you know what? Uh, you have to listen to what everybody says and uh, comment it is true, it's not true. He says that, but he says it in a very, very interesting way. The Gemara says, why was she upset, by the way? I don't think it was about cover. She was mad to have a bow, she must have been holding. She was upset because uh, she's been missing Efesh her whole life for her husband who's learning and be my bit's terror. If there's any truth to what this lady's saying, uh, maybe, uh, maybe it should be something else. Why are we, uh, same theme. Why are we, I've been 40 years, you've been sitting and learning, and now you're a Well, why? If this is true. So, first of all, it's nonsense because if he's sitting and striking, it doesn't make a difference how great he is in terms of his intellect, but. There was another problem, and that is it was, uh, it was nonsense because the whole thing wasn't true. So what does Rabbi say? As Lushan turns to his Rebetzin, My nafkaloch mina minei, mini minei yeskales iloi. He says, we shouldn't be wasting any time debating the point, who knows how to learn better, who's greater, me or the Maturgaman. As long as we're working together as a team, I'm giving shear, and he's translating and getting it out to the public. Uh, he's giving shear, I'm translating... It doesn't make a difference. If together we're being Mekai Hashem Shemayim and Marbet's Torah, it doesn't make a difference who has what role. And uh, it's interesting, the uh, Panovich Arov, who was a legend in godless and fundraising and Midas and building Yeshivas, there are many, many famous stories about his fundraising efforts. Uh, This one is my favorite only because uh, it shows the epidemias, not just of art and fundraising. And this Nakuda is brought out. He was once in America and he came to speak in a very large shul. And he walked in, and there was a fellow in the back who was the Meshulah, who was the fundraiser for the Slobotki Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. Very, very great Yeshiva in Bnei Brak, who exists today. And there's a Panovich Yeshiva, and there are many other great Yeshivas. The uh, Slobotka Meshulah saw Panovich walk in. <coughs> He realized uh, he just slept all the way here, this town, wherever it was, and um, it's all over. Panovicharov was known. He got up and spoke, and like, he was such a charismatic uh, speaker. You know, the Czechs started writing by themselves. I saw that the pandas mamish. So he's not going to get up. He's not going to speak before the Panovicharov, and afterwards, the Bochalabatola. So he was quite upset, and he said, No, I might as well stay. At least I'll hear a good Russia. Panovicharov, as he walked in, also noticed he was in the corner. And he got up and he gave a wonderful drosha, something about uh, the godless of uh, building yeshivas and achzakas ha'teira. 
And when you get to the punchline and you're fundraising Drusha, he then said, and therefore we're here today to exclusively raise money for this Labotka Yeshiva. Maisa Shahaya, kid you not. And he pointed to the back and said, We have a Chosh of a Tambachacham, and the back is here to collect this Labotka Yeshiva. And now I will step off and I want to go with him hand in hand, row to row, to collect only for this Labotka Yeshiva. And they did just that, and they raised an incredible amount of money. Slobodka so Mishal didn't know what hit him. And, uh, okay, he went around, the money came in, everybody left, and he sat down with the Panovich Arov. He said, Panovich Arov, uh, I'm, I'm just totally confused. I, I, I can't thank you enough, but w- what'd you do? Why'd you do it? I, I wouldn't, I, but happy? He said, yeah, put, put us both in. Put yourself first. I mentioned there's a Slobodka Mishal. Something? You didn't collect a penny for Panovich. He quoted this Gemara with Rabbi Abo, and he said, if we keep this in mind in life, we'll be able to accomplish for Klai Yisrael. If we don't, we're worthless. I have to figure out in every situation where will it be the biggest benefit to Klai Yisrael. And I realize if I give a fiery drasha and then collect for Panovich, I will collect a nice amount of money as Baruch Hashem. I usually do. Don't go to shul, shul to shul. Town to town. However, if I get up and then on oh, the Panovich Rav, not the Slobodka Rav, if I get up and give the same fiery drusha, and then I insist that everybody give only to Slobodka, they will think, hmm, Slobodka must be really in dire straits. There must be a tremendous, tremendous need over here. I was willing, they're going to see, I was willing to sacrifice. Not even mention Panovich, they're going to give Pishnayim. So what am I here? Raising money for Panovich or raising money for Klai Yisrael? For Teirah? For Akash Baruch Hu? It was Pashat to him. He was very brilliant. He was able to say the Joshua and notice him in the back and then just give a different punchline. It's when our COVID gets in the way that we start hesitating Miva Miyaholchim and what are we going to get for this? And uh, are we going to get our Karsatai or worse as soon as we do the good deed? We're going to get a Pachin Panim. Some Sefer once said, he was uh, having Agma Sefer with somebody, and he said, I'm trying to remember. He had a good memory, though, Some Sefer. He said, I don't remember ever doing a Tevah for that guy that he should do this terrible thing to me. So he was in it. He expected it. <coughs> so people get understandably nervous from that. Say, you know, I don't know if it's going to my COVID, my effort, the mysterious Nefesh. So Kosh Baruch Hu asks us to keep in mind that we're not in it for ourselves and we have to look in each situation for the maximum gain. And then after we do that and we might get petched and it might hurt and it might be draining to be on guard, not to regret it for the rest of our lives so we can actually go with that schar to the Elam Emes. We're almost out of time. So I'll just end off. <coughs> I guess we'll save the rest for the Tisha um, B'Av Yontif in Yerushalayim that Dr. Mandel is going to do in Binyanei Oma. Uh, so we'll have about half the material left for there. If you'll be so nice, uh, Dr. Mandel, to invite me, by then you might have, you will have more hush of a people. But the theme we discussed today about just focusing on getting everybody to the next point, whether you win, looks like you won the battle or not. 
the little bit of chizik, the few people you can help, the small reshim you're making is huge. That's all the chashmanam asked for, and that's what they got, and they got Hashem's haskama. That's all Elisha tried to do when he got it. That's what Yoyada did. That's what all the G'dayli Elam, the Rambam, everything's falling apart. He just writes a letter. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving soon. I'm too weak. And I'm passing on the torch. And you're it. And the danger, which is the wonderful opportunity here, but the danger is that in America, you look, you live in Brooklyn, live in Muncie, live in Lakewood, you live anywhere out of town where anybody listening online here Living in a community, you look, Baruch Hashem, there are hundreds of thousands of Haimash Yidin from people, B'nai Torah. It's, it's unbelievable what Hashem has done for us. So you could delude yourself to thinking, they don't really need me. I'll just remain a mild-mannered accountant or Rebbe in a yeshiva and um, focus on what I'm doing. I don't really have to stick my neck out. But that's not true. The stakes are higher. We might have more from people. I'm more from people learning now. We also have more people who don't know Benjamin and Muslim and don't know Alibis. We also have dangers for our own community that can seep in, even though they're growing up in a firm environment. Their Yetzirah is out there. That low human super can take somebody away. It requires the same amount of mysterious nefesh as the question of going out of our comfort zone and not resting on our laurels. Yaakovinu understood. He understood, if you notice, in the last six parsha, he's going down to Mitzrayim, and have a direct ticket, he's picked up a covered rav. He knows he's going into Gullus, despite the temporary covered. He stops in Beersheva. Why do he stop in Beersheva? So, Pashat the Pasuk is, is Beach there ready from Yitzchak? He wants to use the same as Beach, the Kaddish. Why did Yitzchak Avino go there? As soon as he was in trouble in Gror, he went there also. Why did he go there? So, Becca says in a different shtickle, he says something very interesting. We know that Abba Avinu already understood they're going to have to build a Mishkan, and he planted the trees for the wood. So there's already a Makam Kaddish. Why? You can get wood anywhere. You can buy it in the open market. But if you're planning ahead to give things over to future generations, you're always looking for opportunities to plant. That's why Yitzchak Avinu made the Zbeach there, and that's why Yaakov Avinu now is going to make the Zbeach. He's going to receive the Nevu, and he's going to dive in there, and he's going to cut down the trees and bring them to Mitzrayim. And the story doesn't stop there. It's very fascinating. The Gemara says, Gemara and Yuma, Atzei shitamaimdim, from the Mishkan. Shema taimra hava atzivra ambatul sikuyin, taimra lamra aimdin, shaimdin laomei alamim. So Shtonbuch and Tamvadas, everybody asks this. But he has an interesting answer. He says, what for? Don't worry, the, the original Krushim are always here. We never use them again. We never will use them. We built the base of Mitish out of stone, and the third base will also be out of stone. So what are they here for? So Sturmbach alludes to the fact that, well, obviously there's a lot of Nistar over here and the fact that they exist adds a certain amount of Kedusha to the atmosphere. Where this comes from is the same thing that Rabbi Yankov mentioned, and that is that the whole Yisoyed of our being able to continue against insurmountable odds is the fact that each Dar is fighting for that small group that's going to continue and is planting so that the group after that has something to be Yannick from. And Abba Vino planted knowing full well they can get wood from somebody else. It's not going to have the same condition. And Yaakov Vino took it knowing full well that this is what they need to use. And loss of lava, these crushers will be around even if we don't use them in the binyan. They're certainly a symbol of what we can accomplish if we look to go an extra mile. And the fact that they're here saturates the atmosphere with that Kedusha. 
And therefore, it's irrelevant. Uh, I spoke in the last few weeks in the shul. I'm sure everybody was speaking about it. Everybody's getting bent out of shape about the UN. And somebody told me uh, there was a thing going around that Rapa mentioned in his agada that the UN is only here so they can mark down clearly everything they're doing so they won't be able to deny it to us the lover. But that's really the only thing they do. They just mark everything down to make zeros and they package it in this number resolution. Everything is on the computer. So they can't uh, take it back. And people are, it's uncomfortable. It's certainly uh, not a great sign. But Lamaisa, there are a lot of things that we could do something about in life. The UN isn't necessarily one of them. And a litmus test to figure out where your kachas is supposed to be. I'm not saying we shouldn't have political shtadlis, and there's a backlash now, Baruch Hashem. Okay. And the Askanim will take care of that. But the average person in the street, not necessarily his or her geshevt, but the next door neighbor is, and the first cousin is, and the coworker is. And it's very notable that when Yitzchak Avinu was digging wells, and the wells are a very deep subject, and they represent all the wellsprings of the Ruchnius and the future of Klai Yisrael, and they're working hard, and they stopped them up, and they're fighting back and forth. And the Pasuk says, finally, he got to a spot. Finally, has arrived. Baruch Hashem. The Pell is the very next Pasuk. So why did he... And he's got to get a Sheva, and then he has an Avua there, and he's building a Mizbeach. What's the connection? The answer is, again, the danger is when you think you have arrived, and I had enough Mesiris Nefesh, enough fighting, enough Machlekes, enough Tsar from all the people. I finally had a well, and it stuck. Yitzhak Avinu knew otherwise. As soon as he succeeded, despite the bruising battle that it was, next thing is, start again and go on to the next project. It doesn't make a difference. Your age, your standing in life, what you do for a living, it's irrelevant. There's a fellow, I think he's Japanese. He climbed Mount Everest when he was 80. <coughs> I'd like to be able to do that when I'm 80. I'd like to be able to do it now. I just got to exercise a little bit. So uh, if you have keichas at 80, I don't know if you should spend it on Mount Everest, but okay, those are his asagas. But the way he did that is, people don't know this, if you know the first part, he climbed Mount Everest to the top at 75 and at 70 also, which is why he was able to do it at 80. The Pella, that statistic, it's, uh, it's in the Book of World Records. That means Pella, somebody should have the burning desire and the uh, stamina for something like that. Again, I wouldn't spend it on that. But people say, yeah, I've done it already, I'm getting on in years, it's not for me, and I tried it and I once got burnt. I'm not saying you shouldn't have nachas in your projects, but getting burnt is part and parcel of the territory. And we hope it's not too bad, but uh, it's the Nisayan that's ongoing. The Yitzhahara wants you to stop and wants you to regret. Our job, even even in Churban, even with the Shavasa Batamas, even with the Tisha B'av, no matter what the circumstance, you make a decision, Make the right decision with consultation with us. Find out what a Kosh Baruch Hu wants. Make it and stick with it. Yechem and Zakai did it despite his nervousness. It was a nerve-wracking decision on the spot. And it troubled him. But he never changed it. He never looked to change it because he understood that the decision was made. 
you know, find the MS and stick with it, and that's the ultimate concept that brings the Gula. And the Mitzvah Shem, as we'll say, will be in uh, a different venue when Tisha B'Av comes around.